in the Mannington, West Virginia uh, church, one of the elders. He is also uh, the coordinator for several of our uh, West uh, East Africa schools, uh, especially uh, in Kenya. And um, Keith Kasarjan is here, and Keith uh, always uh, points to Mike as one of the, the prime examples of the coordinator is like, and uh, we're we're really blessed to have uh, Mike working with us, doing such a good job in uh, the the Kenya um, work and other places as well. But his uh, academic credentials are what makes this particular material so valuable. And if you are in the first session, you already have seen uh, how. Uh, thorough the information has been in the Bible knowledge uh, survey that uh, that Mike has developed, but also something that's very helpful and practical to uh, to us. And so um, we'll go ahead and uh, I'll have lead us in a word of prayer, and then after the prayer we'll turn it over to Mike. So would you bow with me, please? Father, thank you so much for giving us your word. And it is that which is a lamp, it's a light, it's a guide. It is that which helps us look into your mind and understand uh, what it is that we need to know about you. It is your word that uh, creates the love that we have for you. It's your word that is that which motivates us and excites us in thinking about eternity. And so, Father, we pray that you'll help us to continue to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, grow in our knowledge of your word. And Father, thank you for men like uh, Brother Mike, who has seen fit to use the abilities he has to uh, do this kind of work, this kind of research that gives us a clearer understanding of where we are as a, a body of Christ. Pray that you'll uh, bless us in this session. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Danny. It is a true honor, and I mean this, and joy for me to be here today. And Danny, thank you so much for the invitation to come and share this uh, portion of my life that, that I love. Um, Bible knowledge is not the end. It's the means toward an end of having a relationship with Jesus, right? Amen. But if you don't know the Word, you don't know Jesus. It's just that plain and simple. So we're going to go back and um, review just a few things. And this session, we're going to try and take what we have learned from our, our research and make some application. And, and what are some of the implications? Okay, Aaron. Uh, Several implications, and I think applications can be made. Go ahead. Now, Barna does a lot of research on Bible knowledge. His most recent survey that I could find of Bible knowledge among millennials was 2014, but that's still recent enough, okay? Um, but what we're seeing is the Bible knowledge across the board in our culture is going down. Go ahead. Next slide. Bible reading has become the religious equivalent of soundbite journalism. When people read from the Bible, 
They typically open it, read a brief passage without much regard for the context, and consider the primary thought or feeling the passage provided. If they are comfortable with it, they accept it. Otherwise, they deem it interesting but irrelevant to their life and move on. There is shockingly little growth evident in people's understanding of the fundamental themes of the scriptures and amazingly little interest in deepening their knowledge and application of biblical principles. And I say that's pretty well encapsulates what's going on in our culture. Go ahead. So, what is our Bible knowledge among those of us who are members of the churches of Christ? What I wanted to do was try and get uh, a feeling for our level of, of Bible knowledge among adult adherents, those who participated in Bible class. The overall mean score was basically 73.78. I rounded that up to 74. Go ahead. Mean score for the Old Testament was 70%, right, well, 71%, 78 for the New Testament. Go ahead. So, general conclusion, we're doing a satisfactory job of teaching basic facts about the Bible. But that's about where it ends. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. Usually, the adult classes studied in their Bible classes straight from the Bible, did not use any quarterlies or graded material. Go ahead. Now, here's where we begin making application um, of the research. Go ahead. There was a statistical significance between the test scores and congregations that had someone overseeing their education program. So, we'll get back it up a minute. Let's talk about that just a moment. Why do you think it is important for someone to be in charge of your education program? Why do you think that's important? She said it's more consistent. Consistency? Okay. There's also a structure. You have structure? You leave it to, when you leave it to the whims of whatever happens, then you won't actually accomplish your goal. You don't know where you're going, you'll never know if you get there, right? Do we have any educational directors here, someone who volunteers? Okay. Um, I've served as one of the educational directors where I preach actually since I moved there, so for nearly 32 years. And, and what we do is um, every, for our children, um, on our Sunday morning, every three years, they're going through the Bible, and every, on Sunday morning, on Wednesday night, every four years, they're going a comprehensive using uh, graded material. We also have determined by the end of the time they, by, by the time they get through fifth grade, what we want them to know, okay? By the time they get through high school, what we want them to know. We, we have that basically written down, okay? Structure, direction, so important, so important. So this wasn't just by accident that a congregation had someone in charge, volunteer or paid. We have very few paid educational directors in Church of Christ. It's almost always volunteer. But it was not by accident that the test scores were higher. Okay, Aaron. Let's go ahead and hit the next one. Do we have enough to, enough discussion of the... Not really, because you could have elders that could lead the education, right? Oh, anyone can do it. Yeah, yeah. But to me, it sounded you like it was a specific person, even though you're an elder, 
you were talking. Oh about. yeah, it is a specific person. Some one or more persons has to be in charge of the overall direction from the crater roll class to the adult classes and to give it structure. Okay. If not, your test scores are lower. If you have someone who says, okay, uh, the adult class here, you've studied Matthew three times in the past ten years, and you've not studied any in the 8th century prophets. You've not studied any minor prophets. Um, you've never studied Hebrews, and you've, you've got up through uh, the book of Jude, and you've never studied the book of Revelation. Uh, you know, you, that just doesn't get it. How can you under Danny? How can you understand the book of Hebrews if you don't understand Leviticus? Is that possible? No, you got to have the background. Leviticus three, you start with the burn offering. Why is the burn offering before the sin offering? Because the burn offering was completely consumed. God wants all of you, even before the forgiveness of sins. That's the significance of that burn offering. That's why it comes before the sin offering in the book of Leviticus. That helps you understand Hebrews. How can you understand Jesus, our high priest, if you don't understand portions of Genesis, which Abraham coming, or Abram, and coming and making sacrifice to Melchizedek, both king and priest combined? Yeah. So it makes sense? Yeah. Okay. Bible class attendance in the formative years. If you made your children go to Bible class, even when they didn't want to, my wife has a theory that every high school kid needs to go through boring high school classes just to make it to heaven. I don't agree with her, but you know what I'm saying. Mean score of those who had attended Bible class for over 15 years was nearly 79%. Hit the next slide. Now, the next highest mean score of those who had attended Bible class was 6 to 15 years, and it goes all the way down to 69%. So, Danny, as you observe, something we're doing, long-term effect, must be working. Yeah. Right? It must be working. Go ahead. Uh, now, look at this. Had attended both Sunday morning and midweek Bible class before the age of 18, had a mean score of nearly 79% compared to 71 of those who had never attended in their formative years. I was not uh, converted to Christ until I was a freshman in college. My formative years was hit and miss. I honestly think that my nine-year-old granddaughter knows more Bible and Bible stories at nine years old than I did when I entered Freed Hardeman and transferred there as a sophomore. <laughs> Buddy, I was playing catch-up ball. I'm in Bible class in William Woodson's Bible class with Jeff Jenkins, Glenn Colley, guys like that. And But anyway, so what's that tell us? Get your kids in Bible class. About 51% said, yeah, we attended both Sunday morning and Wednesday night. Next slide. So, what's our interpretation of this? Early exposure to Bible study for at least 15 years contributed significantly. This didn't happen by chance. It didn't happen by accident. The data shows, yes, it works. Now, 61% of 
this evangelical demographic who once attended services are spiritually disengaged. 19% of the teens who attended regularly in their formative years were never reached by the Christian community and are still disconnected from the church or other Christian activities. Those figures are even worse now with millennials, according to 2014 Barna's research. Okay, next slide. Only 20% of those who were spiritually active in high school are still today spiritually engaged. Mm. Go ahead. A couple of Southern Baptist Hammond Beamers say that... Um, their reasoning for this is an inability to integrate faith with Christian culture and education experience. Just can't. I mean, you understand that. I, I have a biology degree from a state school. I understand the attack on your faith. Go ahead. So they can't sort through the attacks on inspiration. Um, so what do they do? They abandon the authority of the Bible and you have a postmodern secular worldview. And, and again, Barna's research 2014 of millennials are showing um, a widening gap. Now, basically, we still have millennials engaged reading their Bibles. Don't believe everything you hear in the media, okay? They're still good, solid Millennials with a biblical worldview. What I think is happening is where you used to have people sort of middle of the road that they, you know, they'd accept Christianity, may even say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, now they just say, no, I'm a nun. I don't know. So there's that widening gap between. The two. Aaron, agree? I mean, you're out there cutting edge. Would, would you agree with that? I agree. Okay. Next slide. Once the authority of the scriptures is abandoned, the Bible becomes irrelevant in their lives. And viewing the Bible as irrelevant results in Christian discipleship being abandoned. And that's what I'm seeing with kids who grew up in the Mannequin Church of Christ. Now, brother, the late Brother Yakely, um, among churches of Christ, the retention rate for those 20 to 29-year-olds jumped up to 58%. Now, look at this. Look at this, Danny. The retention rate for alumni of Christian colleges and universities among members of Churches of Christ is 85%. Bible knowledge high, retention high. Go ahead. Soul Searching, a really neat book, it's a little dated, uh, but basically uh, about 30% of teens back in 2005 hold a deistic, new age, or uncertain picture of God. Um, he did a follow-up work of that four years later, Souls in Transition, and Barna has done more research in recent years, and it's basically the uh, same, same thing. It's just following this trend. He attributed this spiritually unhealthy view of God to teens not being well-taught or grounded in objective truth. Where do we get that? In our Bible classes, in the home, reading the Bible, right? Go ahead. So what I wanted to see, are we effective in teaching basic Bible content? Go ahead. Tenure, 15 years or more, what we're doing is working. 
Therefore, the Sunday school format is effective, and there are congregations that are saying, this isn't working, let's abandon this. No, no. Comprehensive Bible knowledge is essential to us developing a biblical worldview. So, educational directors should emphasize the importance of the Bible school, especially in those formative years, and have a comprehensive approach. Know the entire Bible is important. I'm not saying teach Leviticus to your crater roll class. <laughs> but you get the point, the big picture. Okay. Curriculum should be selected that gives a comprehensive coverage of both the Old and the New Testaments. By the way, this isn't in any of the, I don't think it's in any of the manuscripts or anything. We used to think that we were losing our, our, our people. When I say our people, I'm talking about kids, that you know, our, our children, when they went off to a college. Then we backed that up to high school. Um, there's, a, there's a work called Already Gone. Anyone like to guess when most kids make up their mind that they don't believe in God, they don't believe the Bible is His Word, they don't believe in Jesus, and basically they make up their mind then, as soon as I'm old enough, I'm out of here. Anyone want to take a guess what grade in school? I would say seventh grade. Fourth to fifth grade. This is based on scientific research, already gone. Um, and I can't remember the author right now, but you can Google or you can Amazon and find it. Okay. So they began to doubt the inspiration of the scriptures. So what we need to do is equip our fourth, fifth, sixth graders. I'm already, I have a nine-year-old granddaughter that's going on about 13 or 14. You understand what I mean? And I'm already talking to her about evidence of the existence of God. Why the Bible is his inspired word. We'll talk about fulfilled prophecy, some things she's talked about in Bible class. I think that's one of the strongest evidences for the inspiration of Scripture, fulfilled prophecy. How do you how do you deal with that from a secular mind? This needs to go on up into adult years. Go ahead, Aaron. We're going to run out. Okay, teacher training and development. Remember we talked, go ahead and hit the next slide. Um, developing faithful teachers. You scored well on the test because you taught the book of Acts to a fourth grade class, right? So what do we need to do? Our teachers scored higher. We need to train, develop more teachers. Okay? <clears throat> Overall mean score for our Bible class teachers, nearly 84%. This is one that I... We've really, in Churches of Christ in West Virginia and most churches of Christ that I know of, we've really dropped the ball in this Christian mentoring. How many of you how many of you were not, as we say, raised in the Church of Christ? Raise your hand. How many of you were mentored either individually or went to a new converts class or had some type of follow-up after you were baptized? Not very many. Only 25% of the respondents reported being mentored or completing a training class for new Christians. That's sad. I tell the guys in Africa, 
and they understand this. I say, guys, what is it easier to do? Have a baby or raise that baby up until they're out on their own? Well, they laugh. They understand. If you baptize people and don't raise them to maturity, you have done them a tremendous disservice. And the data shows 75% were never mentored. Hit the next slide. Okay? We need to do a better job of mentoring the new Christians. The data shows it. If you were mentored, you had a much higher score. So, let's take this a step further. What is... What do we want this new Christian to become? A follower of Jesus, right? A mature follower of Jesus. Second Timothy 2, 2. I think I've heard this quoted somewhere, Penny. Probably, yeah. To be able to teach others also the highest level of Bloom's taxonomy when you can transfer the mind of God from your mind to someone else's mind and they can transfer it to someone else and become a follower of Jesus. Okay? But very few congregations have a clear written definition of what spiritual maturity is how it might be measured, and then how is it going to be developed, okay? And some strategies which would facilitate this spiritual growth. So, if we are going to develop committed disciples of Jesus, one implication for my research is we need to have greater emphasis on training and mentoring new Christians. That's important. Intentional steps to spiritual development must be implemented. Now, we had a dark side. I was baptized September 25th, 1977. And that was right at the beginning um, of the multiplying ministries, the discipling movement. And that was sort of, as Flavel Yakely, uh, he called it the dark side of Churches of Christ. That's not what I'm talking about. We're not talking about developing cult-like control over people's lives. We're talking about taking an infant Christian to the point of maturity, to where um, where they're going to, to make it. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what are these intentional steps? Some suggestions here. Go ahead and hit all of them, Aaron. Okay? Stop right there. Now think about if you would have had training as a new Christian... In prayer, um, did anyone ever ask Jesus to teach them how to pray? <laughs> I think so. Bible study methods. Wouldn't you have liked to have been the disciples there when Jesus started talking about all of those Old Testament scriptures and the Bible says he opened up the scriptures unto them? Wouldn't that have been rich, Denny? Hear Jesus teach that? Spiritual disciplines. Are we teaching people how to give, how to pray, how to fast? How to, um, well, you get the point. Practices of worship. I have an ongoing Bible study with a young lady. Um, As a matter of fact, I got a text in between right after lunch before I started. Uh, Once a week, we try and study. We did do it in person. We've We've been doing it by Zoom. She works at a local hospital. So we've been having a Zoom study about once a week now going on two years. And we've hit almost all of these. She's pretty well rooted and grounded now. Okay, Missional living. Practices of service, ministry involvement, and then our fellowship and our accountability. We have a new eldership 
where I preach. Um, we added three more to the eldership, and one thing, uh, I've been sharing some training things with, with our new eldership, and we're talking more about holding each other accountable. Um, I think that's important. Okay, go ahead. I think this is important. There are many things people want to learn, but there are some things they need to learn. Basic doctrines and habits of the Christian life. These are best done when a church has an intentional post-membership strategy to lead people to maturity. The most important thing to lead our people is to lead our people intentionally and systematically to deeper maturity in Christ. Go ahead, Aaron. Now, where does Bible knowledge come in this discipleship? And by the way, if anyone has a question or a comment or anything, just raise your hand, okay? Please. Go ahead. Um, back that up just a minute. Highly recommend this book on discipleship. We'll get to it here in just a minute. Go ahead. Seven domains of spiritual formation. Go ahead and hit all of these. They're right down to the end. Seven, okay? Learning truth. We place a lot of emphasis on learning truth, but what about obeying God? What about making application of that truth? What about serving God and others? Um, when I had the privilege of baptizing a person, you well, I don't baptize anyone in, in Kenya, but when we're baptized here in the United States, we usually give them a Bible. I usually try and get an ongoing Bible study set up with them. But here's what I tell them. I said, okay, first of all, you need to be here every time the doors are opened. That's important. Second, and I hand them the Bible, I say, this is your spiritual food. You need to read it every day for at least 15 minutes. And third, you need to find something in this good church that you can do and do it. And we'll help you with that. And I think I have scriptural precedence for that in Ephesians 4, 1 down through 16. Sharing Christ, exercising faith. Um, Keith's going to put you on the spot. What is one of the major differences in African Christians or some of the folks you work with worldwide and American Christians? I'm going to go on a limb and say I'm supposed to say something about sharing Christ. Bingo! You get an A for the day. With that in mind, I'm going to say that they are a lot more apt to do it and partially because the people around them are much more apt to hear it. Yeah. And I think maybe, I'm not, I'm not going to question this because my faith means something to me. Aaron, does your faith mean something to you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say that their faith means more. I, I don't think it does. I appreciate what Jesus has done for me. Okay, move on. Is building relationships important? Leadership needs to create platforms or opportunities um, for these relationships to be built. That's important in the connectiveness, however. And that's getting harder and harder to do in the age of COVID, isn't it? Okay, Bible knowledge and discipleship. I have several implications to these selected acts of discipleship and Bible knowledge. Go ahead. Now, Wagner's research in discipleship measured 61 characteristics of Biblical spiritual development. Let's keep going on this, okay? And he did all kinds of analyses of these and came up with 
this. The number one factor or characteristic most correlated to the highest maturity score was what? The practice of reading the Bible. So if you want to grow as a Christian, you have to do what? You have to know what the Bible says. Okay. Spiritual maturity is about the transformation of the Christian from ungodly to godly thought and practice. Okay? Romans 12, 1 and 2. How does this happen? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, metamorphosized. Right, Danny? Like that butterfly. (coughs) I'm to the point that I can tell you an old, old dad parent joke, okay? Do you hear about the one caterpillar talking to the other caterpillar when he saw the moth fly over? He said, you'll never get me up in one of those things. (laughs) That's transformation, metamorphosis, okay? The metamorphosis, the change of developing that biblical world view. Go ahead. Philippians 4.9. Paul said, what you have seen and heard, me do, you do. At the core of spiritual transformation is biblical truth. Wagner in the book on discipleship noted, a major part of the spiritual formation process is to be a diligent student of the Word of God and to have a hungry and teachable spirit. Go ahead. So what I wanted to do, I wanted to plug in some of these acts of discipleship Um, and see where it contributed and what's our overall findings. Well, first of all, 15 minutes a day. In the average one-hour network television program, how many minutes in that 60-minute time segment, how many minutes are commercial? More. It's more than 30. I didn't think it was true, and I, I, I actually checked it. 35 minutes. Check it sometime. So, if you like watching, um, I don't know, America's Got Talent, or American Ninja Warrior, or <laughs> something, all you have to do is... During less than half of the commercial time, mute your television and read your Bible and your test score is going to go up. You do that every day. (laughs) Can we do that? Can we as Americans give up 35 minutes of commercial? Also, daily Bible reading is important. 15 minutes every day. So what, I do this every year, done it for several years. For our congregation at Mannington, we have at least two different daily Bible reading schedules made available. We have one that's you read from the Old Testament and the New Testament, both. Then we have one that just goes through Old Testament all the way to New Testament. Then uh, we also uh, encourage people to get the um, Uversion app on their iPad or their phone. Teach them how to use that. We really encourage this. And what I've been doing to my family, to my son, my daughter, my mom, my dad, 
and my uh, sister, my brother, my nephews, my nieces, is about the middle of December, I write a letter. Just a little bit encouraging them of the importance of every one of them reading their Bible every day for the next year. And I include both of those schedules in that. And, I don't know, send out 15 or 20 of those. But Aaron, that's just a way that I can encourage my family, including my granddaughter who's nine years old. And by the way, she is she's going to make some money this year. Because I cut a deal with her when we were down between Christmas and New Year that Paul was going to make it well worth her time if she would read her Bible through this year. And you know she's she's kept up on it. She's even, and she, she's read Genesis, Exodus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and she it's going to cost me some money. Um, now, I know that's an uh, extrinsic reward, and educators say that doesn't work, but uh, my granddaughter's got enough of me in her that she is going to do that, and I will we will reward her. Anything you can do to get your kids, your grandkids, the people around you to read that Bible, I think is essential. Train educational directors. You need the direction in your educational programs. Go ahead. Fifteen years seem to be the magic number of attending your Bible classes. Why do you think the acts of Christian service were important. What did that? What does praying have to do with Bible knowledge? Those who prayed had a statistically significant higher score on the Bible knowledge test than those who did not pray every day. Why do you think that was? Yeah. Because it's not just about head knowledge; it's about application. There you go. Okay. Excellent. Agree? I mean, when you put into practice what you read, it's going to be easier to do it. Go ahead. Mentoring classes for new Christians. Um, How many of you are involved in congregations now that you know there is a systematic new converts class or a development class for the new converts? Any of you? Do you know that? Aaron, where you attend, do they have that? Yeah, we've started one recently. Started one recently? Yeah, yeah they hadn't had one for a long time. Why'd you start it? Because we had new converts that were sitting in an auditorium class on Leviticus. Why is that important? Well, I mean, when you have a group of people in all different levels of maturity, I mean, there are certain things that, that you need to, like, I mean, you went through the list of things you need to get new converts trained on. If you don't have anything to do with your education program and if you're with a congregation that does not have a mentoring class, a couple of suggestions. Go to the eldership. Go to, if you don't have elders, go to someone that um, can maybe see that that happens or volunteer to do it on your own. Can you take that person into your home? Can you maybe take them out to eat? Can you develop some type of rapport? Aaron, any suggestions on that? Does that work? You do it worldwide, don't you? 
Yeah, I mean, it's just people are people. You know, you, you have to care about people. Yeah. I mean, I know it's harder for some people, maybe the introverts, but I mean, if you love people's souls, you got to befriend them, and there's no better way than just to sit down. Even if you think, I don't know my Bible very well, you can sit down and read with them. Easy enough. Um, John Moore um, shared in one of his classes this morning about a, a man that every morning shoots him a text with the daily Bible verse and saying, hey, I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you. Um, I get, my kids make fun of me for, I'm the emoji king on text. I mean, if, if you can do it in an emoji, why waste a word? <laughs> People who are going in for surgery, and I know they're going in early, and I have their cell phone number, the little prayer emoji, I'll shoot them two or three there. And it's amazing the effect that that has. The new converts, when I know they're going through something tough, I'll let them know that I'm praying for them. That connectedness, I think that's important. It's important. Okay. Go ahead and hit the next slide. Back it up. So, read your Bible for at least 15 minutes every day. Half of those commercials, daily. How many of you ate today? Ate something? Unless we're doing a discipline of fasting, which highly encouraged. Jesus didn't say, he said, when. Okay? He said, when. I think that's significant. Agreed, brother? Absolutely. And I think that's something that we have lost in our culture. When Antioch sent the guys out, what did they do? They prayed and fasted. Elders selected what they do. They prayed and fasted. I've encouraged our members not as a mandate, but an encouragement. And we have our, our millennial class where we are studying spiritual disciplines. I think that's important. Introduce these people to that. But... 15 minutes every day. We eat physically, and we have people that I know they don't read their Bibles in between Sunday morning service and the next Sunday morning service because the Bible they forget and it lays on the church pew. And that's what I ask them. Did you eat today? Yeah. Did you eat spiritually? That's our spiritual food. If we could see our souls, many of them would be absolutely emaciated, starving to death. Okay? Let's get to this chart. This chart's interesting to me. Um, Brian, maybe you'll you'll look at this. Now, what this is, without getting too technical, okay, I told you we were we found the mean score, right? Then this is the variance away from that mean. Okay? In other words, what we're doing now in a rank order, we're looking at this didn't happen by chance, but we know that this is what, and I'll use the word cause. Sister from Virginia Tech, will you allow me to use the word cause? <laughs> <laughs> um, strong correlation between the test scores and how long they had attended Bible class, Sunday school, length of Bible study, and frequency of Bible study, 30% roughly of what causes our Bible knowledge. 30%. How long you've attended Bible class, how long you 
for how, how many minutes a day you read and how often. Okay? That's top three. So what's your impression? What's your conclusion? What's your thoughts on just everything we've talked about the past two hours? Seeing these figures, what should we be doing? <clears throat> Go to Bible class, right? Wednesday, Sunday morning, Wednesday night. Read your Bible every day for 15 minutes. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Hit the next slide. 30% of the variance in the test scores. In other words, scientifically, we know that that is the correlation, and I'll use the word causation, of those higher test scores. Don't have to guess. Also, the mean scores for teachers were 11% higher than those who did not teach a Bible class. That's significant. Go get the next slide. So, easily done. Aaron, you've heard me say many, many times at West Virginia Christian Youth Camp, I thrilled those kids in that. Read your Bible, what? At least 15 minutes every day. That's simple, that's easy, but we can do that. I think we're about done. Hit your next slide. Yeah, go ahead and... Yeah, there's my cell phone number. <laughs> Leave it up there. Those of you that didn't get my cell phone number, if you've got the, um, my, my email address, feel free to contact me. And again, I said I respond better to text initially. Um, and if you have any additional questions or would be interested in further discussion and talk, um, I'd be more than glad to share some time with you. Any thoughts, questions, comments? One of the things you said very early on was maybe one of the causes was when they get to the university and they basically find that their faith doesn't match up with what they've been mm -hmm. taught. Mm -hmm. That's what happened to me. I got to college studying pre-med biology and had evolutionary biology courses, and the congregation I grew up didn't really talk much right. about apologetics, mm -hmm. and that's when I found apologetics press. Mm -hmm. And I've told those guys for years that I don't know what would have happened if I had found that website. Yeah. And so, you know, I think a lot of local congregations think apologetics is maybe too complicated for them to teach. And I'm saying if you're not going to teach it, you should, but at least use the material that AP has. Apologetics Press, Warren Christian Apologetics all those, Center. All those apologetics. Uh, there's all, and That's right. um, Mannington um, Church of Christ, no, manningtoncfc.com, our website. We have links to all of that. How many of you have churches with websites? How many of you have churches with websites that have links to Christian Broadcast Network, Apologetics Press? Run those in your bulletin. We run it in our bulletin every week. We want our people to know, and I share, Eric, just what you have said. Our parents may not be able to answer the question of, well, our, my teacher said that dinosaurs existed 1.5 uh, billion years before man did, and I don't know how to answer that. There's there, people that do know how to answer that. There is, there's a at least there's a 19, I think it's 19 lessons that AP has. Mm -hmm. It's called uh, Pillars of Faith. Mm -hmm. They take you through everything from dinosaurs to have the Bible been corrupted. And I'd recommend every church and parent make sure that they're yeah. sees those. That's important. They, they, the colleges will attack that. When you they will absolutely. And our culture is attacking That's that. That's right, yeah. Okay. Brother, do you have something you want? Yeah. Just on that, we were talking there earlier uh, in mentoring and things of that nature. In my experience, that dear old restaurant across that table. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We have waitresses. 
walk up and ask for special prayers. Mm -hmm. We've had free breakfast because someone decided yeah. to pick up the tab. Yeah. Or other people stopping us to mm -hmm. ask for clarification. And yeah, the home is appropriate, the building is appropriate here, but a restaurant can, has a strange effect of mm -hmm. reaching out to yeah. others. That's an excellent point. Uh, my wife is one of the uh, world's greatest introverts. <laughs> Once we get people in her home, she's a wonderful cook, but she's we are much more comfortable, and honestly, I think the visitors to our assembly and the new Christians are much more comfortable with going to the restaurant than coming into someone's home in this day and age. And we do that a lot. And so, excellent point. Yeah. yeah. Now, go ahead. A piece of fruit pie is good for you daily. Oh, <laughs> I'll tell you. We had, a, we had a dear sister back when I moved where I preached. And in the summer, she had an apple tree. And about once a week, she would call me and say, Mike, I just made an apple pie. She didn't even have to finish the sentence. I'll be there in five minutes. <laughs> I can see her house from the church building. Excellent point. Yeah, bro. Eric, quick question on... More on parenthood. Have yeah. Any data on single parent homes to two parent homes? Um, I, I haven't. Um, well, it's old research on the effectiveness of the Bible on, uh, like, morality. Um, about third, now, this is older research, and I think that rate is higher now. About 35% of evangelical and churches of Christ for a sociological study fall into evangelical demographic. About 35% of the Gen Xers on down the millennials cohabitate, which shows that we're just not doing our job on teaching morality. Now, as far as Bible knowledge on single versus um, the married, the married couple, if you were married, you there was a statistically significant higher test score than if you were not married. So we do have that research. But uh, the breakdown of the home, I, I just didn't get to the point of parenthood in that, um, just for privacy reasons. But we do know that single versus married, the married score higher, statistically significantly higher. So it's not by accident. Okay? Good question. I have thoroughly enjoyed being with you. I've just really enjoyed this, and thank you so much for your participation. Um, any any other comment or question? Um, I hate to be rude, but I've got a plane to catch. <laughs> I don't want to miss that. But, um, Denny, again, thank you, brother. I, I love you, and I appreciate so very much the opportunity to, to be here. Um,